0: Welcome to Numbers study number 32 in Numbers chapter 32. We'll cover 42 verses, Lord willing and the church don't rise, after we send out a hibili holla out to Brother Marcus Vaughn. Brother Marcus, here's your hillbilly holla. And uh, we, uh, I don't know how long uh, Marcus has been listening, but he's been listening for a while and uh, contacted us, and it's great to hear from him. And... Uh, we pick up new listeners along the way, and uh, we drop some. Uh, we've had a few go on to be with the Lord, and uh, we've had a few others uh, go off into who knows where, and then other a few others we know where, and it wasn't a good place as far as uh, their relationship with the Lord, sadly. But we've got a bunch who've been here from the very beginning, and you know who you are, and we appreciate all of you. But it's nice to have some new blood coming along with a journey on the Bible bus as uh, Jay Vernon McGee used to call it. So with that let's open with a word of prayer and we'll get into our study. Father we thank you again for the new listeners. We've heard from several just this week and uh, those who are listening and haven't contacted us you know all about them. We'd love to hear from every one of them but uh, I'm guilty as much as anybody of just getting busy and not contacting teachers and Bible preachers uh, uh, through the years that uh, I've actually uh, you know benefited from their efforts so uh, when we all get to heaven then we'll get to meet one another and and I can tell those fellows how much I appreciate them and and I hope to meet these folks who are listening that I may not hear from uh, and I know I will one day. It's all because of what you've done to save us, shedding your blood on the cross in death and rising from the dead, conquering sin and death, uh, coming out of that tomb, ascending to heaven and promising to come and receive us unto yourself that where you are we may be also forever and ever and we look forward to that so much. In the meantime, find us occupying until you come in Jesus' name, amen. So this chapter provides some important um, background information. A lot of times what we read and study, um, especially if we haven't gone through the Bible or we haven't gone through it enough to make the connections and connecting the dots, so to speak, it can seem unimportant. It can see out of place. I felt that way about genealogies in the first few years of my Christian life. You find out those genealogies have important information and some fascinating facts in there as well. And the same thing's true about uh, chapters like this one. Uh, this will help us understand other things, which help us understand the big picture and so forth. But uh, you can rest assured, no matter what it is in the Bible, it's there for a reason. Even if we, even in this lifetime, may not understand it, but one day we will. We'll understand it better by and by, as the old hymn says. In this case, we're going to see um, this passage explains. Uh, the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, uh, which itself is the half-tribe of Joseph. Uh, it's uh, The half-tribe of Joseph is Manasseh and Ephraim, split in two. And uh, Manasseh is one half of that. And half of that, then, <laughs> joins with Reuben and Gad. I'm just laughing because sometimes I think I try to explain things and make it more complicated and convoluted than it ought to be but I hope you understood what I was saying there but anyway Gad, Reuben and half tribe half of the tribe of Manasseh will stay on the uh, east bank east of Jordan if you look on a map let's just jump right in here we're going to read the first five verses as we see verse 1 now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle so these are cowboys cowboys and uh, when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that, behold, the place was a place for cattle. Grazing territory. Uh, verse 2, The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses, And to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Uh, Verse 3 Adaroth, and Dibon, and Jazer, and Nimrah, and Heshbon, and Elielah, and Shebam, and Nebo, and Beon. Verse 4 Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Verse 5 Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. And sounds reasonable. Um, it's a sane proposition for a bunch of cowboys who have a bunch of cattle and they see grazing uh, fields fit for cattle. But um, the time for settling hasn't come yet. The Hebrews still had their hands full. They had a lot of work ahead of them. They had to clean out all of those wicked, disgusting, nasty Canaanites from the Promised Land. And by the way, uh, in Joshua 22, we're going to see another rift when Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh erect an altar they called Ed. (laughs) Uh, But that's 60 studies away. Um, So we'll come to that sometime uh, in the future. But such incidents explain Moses' response. Um, You know, these constant... Uh, betrayals or seeming betrayals by uh, the Hebrews and sometimes whole tribes puts Moses on the defensive and it makes sense that he'd respond this way he says in verse 6 we'll read 6 and 7 together and Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here Verse 7, and wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? So Moses is understandably frustrated and angered by the proposal from the tribes of Gad and Reuben because they didn't really explain the, you know, the, or at least they may not even consider the full picture, the big picture. And so Moses reminds them of the lesson that they seem to have forgotten from 40 years prior. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up into the valley of Eshgal and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So uh, what happened in K. barnea the spies came back and were freaking out over the huge giants and everything in the land they discouraged the people and uh, so then they said they weren't going to go in and so god uh, says well you just blew it <laughs> and that's quite a bit different from this uh, situation but if gad and reuben had intended to set up camp And send the other tribes on into the land without them. Then the comparison um, was much more legit. We're not told enough that I can say that's for a fact. But it appears maybe they were saying, yeah, you guys go on without us. So Moses continues his warning in verses 10 through 13 says, And the Lord's anger was kindled at the same time, and he swears, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Um, Verse 12, uh, then Moses continues explaining, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So they were the only ones... Uh, going to go into the promised land above the age of 20 and verse 13 and the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed so Moses says all those people for 40 years you watched them die and it was all because of what they did and you're doing something very similar uh, so that's quite a warning from Moses and then had to if if hadn't already occurred to the leaders of Gad and Reuben. They're speaking on behalf of the half-tribe of Manasseh evidently here because we only see the leaders of Gad and Reuben mentioned. But uh, that had to really uh, uh, make them sit up and take note. Uh-oh, wait, maybe we uh, need to uh, rethink this or uh, explain ourselves at least. And so that's what we see. Verse 14 and 15 Um, Moses closes his argument. He says, And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead, an increase of sinful men, to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. So Moses is convinced, you bunch of punks. And verse 15, For if ye turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness, and ye shall destroy all this people. Moses is hot. Lays down the stakes uh, in stark terms here there's no indication really that Moses misread the intentions of the leaders of the tribes of Gad and Reuben they they just they didn't say that they were going to go with them say yeah you guys go on ahead but the blunt rebuke in the tone of Moses appears to be uh, not only called for as we see in the language of the text that there um, then uh, was some sort of conference where the leaders of Gad and Reuben came together and uh, and uh, came to terms and approached Moses with humility as we read in verse 16 and 17 and they came near unto him and said we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land now don't get the wrong idea this isn't like you know uh, bunch of elementary school kids when they say little ones as we saw twice i think referenced in this chapter alone those below the age of 20 um, would stay and you know uh, a lot of young especially the girls around the age of 12 13 14 15 right in there they're ready to babysit and do a lot of things there's kids whose parents are useless bums and in their teens, they take care of everything, you know, so that's what's happening here. It says little ones. Um, so these kids, 19 and under, and uh, uh, the women, the mothers of those children, um, they would uh, all stay behind. It would be young men, but they'd be, you know, you take football players and and. Guys in their sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old that can hunt and everything, so they have plenty of people to take care of mom and the kids, and uh, they'll stay there and keep the farm, so to speak. And they continue in verse eighteen: "We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance." Now, I I believe that um, the men would have traveled back and forth and visited, and you know, not neglected their wives. Uh, the entire time they were gone, um, you know, they would make sure the families were taken care of. They'd go back and take money and and or or goods or whatever was needed to keep the family, uh, you know, in good shape and all that. It'd be at least seven years before this would happen. So Gad, Reuben, and the half tribe of Manasseh are going to build all these shelters and leave their. Wives and 19 and under children there at home, and then they would go for seven years. So I I don't believe for a minute they stayed seven years and didn't go back and forth and visit and everything. And that's so that's not. I don't believe that's what the text meant. I heard somebody make that claim uh, in a study that I heard some time ago, and I don't believe that's the truth. But they they would go probably uh, you know in shifts and that sort of thing, and make sure that they. Uh, you know, took care of their families, but most of them um, would stay in what's called tra- uh, uh, this side, the west side of Jordan, uh, all the time for those seven years. And then it'd be, like I said, seven years or more, according to the math. I think it's around seven years, if I'm, my math is correct, um, before they then would return to what's called Transjordan, the East Bank. Uh, the East side, uh, across the river from Jordan, so the phrase "We will not return meant as a whole meant the whole the tribes as a whole would not return and stay, uh, and those individuals would return from time to time. We refer to in en mass e n en mass uh, the whole tribe would not go back, um, but they would stay west of Jordan until The other tribes got all their land. And uh, the leaders of Gad and Reuben continue explaining. Verse 19, For we will not inherit with them on yonder side, Jordan, or forward, because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side, Jordan, eastward. And so this explanation uh, suits uh, Moses just fine. And uh, so he responds. We see verses 20 through 22. And Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if ye will go armed before the Lord to go uh, to war and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him and the land be subdued before the Lord then afterward ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel and this land shall be your possession before the Lord now Moses knows who he's dealing with uh, just as we're told Jesus knew what he was dealing with when he's dealing with men. I've often pointed out that our founding fathers, a lot of them weren't even Bible believing Christians, but they believed in the inherent depravity of man. They knew men were wicked at heart. <laughs> and that's why they set the government up the way they did uh, with the executive, judicial, and legislative, and the legislative broken into two so things would go slowly and it'd be hard for them to change things. And uh, that's, uh, we can go into a lot of discussion about that. That's why our country is in a bad shape because that is all being undermined by modern politics but uh, Jesus in uh, John chapter 2 verses 23 through 25 uh, we're told he said, it was says now when he, Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men "...and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man." End quote. When you hear people say, oh, you should see the best in everybody, and uh, the inherent goodness of man, and follow your heart, and all that stuff is satanic nonsense. It's just nonsense. And we've talked about it, that at length. If you're uh, new to our studies, I apologize. I have to move on. But we've talked about that at length. We, you, you trust God and His Word. You trust people in as much as you have to. Um, you verify what people tell you, uh, you know, and so forth. Don't trust your heart. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17:9, and so forth. Um, But Moses uh, was led by the Spirit of Christ. The same Spirit that we read about there in John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25 is the Spirit upon Moses. And that's why he then says in verse 23, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Um, And of course, that verse the last nine verses there and be sure your sin will find you out it's one of the most oft quoted verses in the bible Um, but i bet not one in ten could tell you the context (laughs) Um, but anyway moses continues verse 24 build you cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do that which hath proceeded out of uh, your mouth in other words uh, talk is cheap Uh, Moses wants to see them get busy and get those shelters in place so Joshua can get moving into the promised land once Moses is dead. And Moses receives this reassuring word from these two tribes, uh, verses 25 through 27, And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. But thy servants will pass over every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, as my Lord saith. So uh, now Moses will go to the other nine and a half tribes um, and get everyone on the same page. uh, Verses uh, 28 and 29. So concerning them, Moses commanded Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun, and the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And Moses said unto them, If the children of Gad and the children of Reuben will pass with you over Jordan, every man armed to battle before the Lord, and the land shall be subdued before you, then ye shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. He said, If they go over and they fight and help you clear the land and everything gets settled, then you're to make sure they're able to settle in their possession in Gilead. So Moses has to get these things settled because, as I mentioned, he's been told that his days are numbered. And he won't be there to lead the Hebrews into the promised land. And again, Moses takes precautionary measures. Um, he has the word of the leaders of the tribes of Gad and but he knows he's still dealing with sinful men. So verse 30 says, But if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. And so if they renege on their promise, then forget about it. They're not to stay in Gilead. You'll you'll make them come back over this side of Jordan. Um, But thankfully that doesn't happen. Uh, We'll see as we get into the book of Joshua sometime from now. uh, That doesn't become necessary. Um, But then we're told in verse 31 and 32, And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord hath said unto thy servants, so will we do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, that the possession of your inheritance on this side Jordan may be ours. So they're being insistent that they're going to do what they're supposed to do, and uh, that, that they're serious; they're, they mean business, and uh, they turn out to, that, that turns out to be the case. So verse 33 says and Moses gave unto them even to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben and unto the half the tribe of Manasseh the son of Joseph the kingdom of Sihon king of the Amorites and the kingdom of Og king of Bashan the land with the cities thereof and the coasts even in the cities of the country round about now he gives it to them on a basis of agreement that they, they have to come in on the west side and the rest of the land and help the nine and a half remaining tribes, eight and a half if you don't count uh, Levi, who doesn't have a land possession. And they have to get settled into their land before they can then actually go and take possession of that land where they're going to leave their wives and their children and, and with the cattle, with the uh, shelters all set up and everything. So that brings us to the end of chapter 32. We close out with a description of the land grants. We'll read these and then make some closing comments with the time remaining. But we start with the tribe of Gad, verses 34 through 36. And the children of Gad built Dibon and Ataroth and Eror, and Atroth Shofan, and Jaazer, and Jagbiha, and Bithnimrah, and Bethharan, fenced cities and folds for sheep. So they built shelters, basically. I'm sure there wasn't anything... Um, you know magnificent about it but good enough for the women and the children to live in and folds for the sheep and so forth and then um, continuing uh, through verse uh, see 37 and 38 we then see he gives the tribe of Reuben um, some cities east of the Jordan River uh, verse 37 says and I'm sorry verse yeah Verse 37, And the children of Reuben built Heshbon, and Elielah, and Kirjathaim, and Nebo, and Belmion, their names being changed, and Shibmah, and gave other names unto the cities which they built And then we're told the inheritance which is given to the half-tribe of Manasseh that's going to stay on the east side of Jordan permanently. And so we're told which leaders of Manasseh that stay over there. Um, verses 39 through 42 says, And the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, went to Gilead and took it and dispossessed the Amorite which was in it. Verse 40, And Moses gave Gilead unto Machir, the son of Manasseh, and he dwelt therein. Verse 41, And Jair, the son of Manasseh, went and took the small towns thereof and called them Haboth jair And verse 42, And Nobah went and took Kenath in the villages thereof and called it Nobah after his own name. And with that, uh, we're done with the chapter, but I want to just make some closing remarks here about the dispossession of the Canaanites. Because you hear people say today that the Jews have stolen the land from the Palestines and uh, Palestinians, or whatever they call them. (laughs) That's a made-up people. There's no such thing as Palestinians in any real sense of the word. Uh, Those people calling themselves Palestinians are actually Egyptians. Uh, for the most part and some came down from Lebanon some Jordanians um, but uh, they're not uh, people who have for generations lived in that land as they claim Um, the land belonged to the Jews originally before it was taken or if you want to say stolen if we want to continue using that uh, loaded terminology it was stolen from them nearly 35 Hundred years ago, Joshua led the Israelites into the land and took it from the Canaanites. So, the only people group, or if you go back to the uh, original owners of the land, the only people group that still exists that goes back to ancient times are the Jews. And so they deserve that land. Um, the Canaanites were killed off or merged into today's predominant Middle Eastern ethnicities like the Arabs and nomadic tribes, North African nations, Egypt, Libya, etc., Persians, Armenians, and yes, even among the Jews, but they're no longer here. So the earliest native tribes of the land, called Palestine by the uh, United Nations, but called Judea and Israel in the Bible, as well as called that by Christians and Jews in general, are Jewish tribes. That's who the original owners of the land And remember, the land belongs to God. He calls it my land in Joel 3.2. I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted. Listen, the last two words of Joel 3.2, my land.